everyone, it's good to see you. If you'd like to come and take your seats and end your conversation, we can pick up conversations at the end. It's great to be meeting new people. My name is Matt, it's my privilege to speak to you this morning. This is the last in our devoted series, vision series, talking about what we're, our aims are as a church, what we'd like to be like. And we're looking at Acts 2, 42 to 47. So if you'd like to open your Bibles or uh, look on your phone, and maybe the text will come up behind me, we'll see. Acts 2, 42 to 47. We're looking at Acts 2, the early church and seeking to be that kind of church. Now, you may be from another church this morning, and I hope you get something out of it that you can take home with you, And because every church needs to be like what we see in Acts 2. We're all called, every church is called to be like that. And so, and if this is your church family, I encourage you to get involved and to respond to his word. So let me pray as we begin. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you that we can be confident in your love. We thank you, Father, that you gave your only son to die for us. He rose again. We thank you that through him we have forgiveness and life and restored to God. We thank you for these wonderful things. I pray you would speak to us now through your word. Give us greater confidence, greater assurance. In your love, in Jesus' name, amen. We're looking at today at communion or the Lord's Supper, uh, remembering the death of Jesus or remembering the gospel by taking wine and bread, these symbols that speak of the gospel, Jesus' death for us. And the point really is this, let's be devoted to remembering the gospel especially through communion. Let's say that again. If you can take nothing away with you, this is the idea, right? Let's be devoted to remembering the gospel, especially through communion, okay? I'm going to make three points. Remember, realign, and then repeat. On Friday... Our family were down in Hastings, where I grew up, and we went to the funeral of a friend. He was quite a young man. He became ill a year ago. We'd prayed and hoped that he would be healed and delivered, but he, he died. And it's been extremely sad, the whole thing. It's, it's wonderful to know that we don't grieve as those without hope, that we know that our friend is in heaven with God because he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. The death of the queen recently, the death of our friend, the death of anyone brings you face to face with reality. This is your destiny. We live in a world that's dis- full of distraction, We can go from day to day to day to day without thinking about anything of any real consequence. We can faff around 
looking at silly YouTube clips and nonsense and wasting our time and never thinking about important things. And don't get me wrong, I every now and then indulge, faff around, wasting my time looking at YouTube clips. I'm not saying it's completely wrong with that. But I am saying it's important to think about important things. And this, recently, we've been brought up face-to-face with death. At, at the... At the funeral, there were a, on the coffin, there was a whole huge bouquet of rose, red roses. And at the end, my wife took a few of the roses home. And I took one of the petals and I put it into my Bible at Psalm 30, which was where, what, what was read at the funeral, which is, you have turned my mourning into dancing. And... I put it there because as a memorial and as a reminder, whenever I read Psalm 30, it will be there. And it will remind me of him. And it will remind me of his life. It will remind me of reality. And it will remind me to pray for his, his wife and family and so on. It will remind me of important things. Communion, as we're looking at today is a reminder of, it, of the most important thing. We all need to, to be reminded regularly, and we need to set up ways of being reminded of important things. I like to have lists. So I have a list I go through regularly. Am I doing these things? I have an ambition. My ambition is to be a worshipper, for example, and to love God with all my... And I have a little list of things, and I check. Am I, am I still... Uh, heading toward this vision for my life? Am I still doing it? I have a vision and for my marriage and, my, and to be and with my children and, and with the church and as an elder and a pastor, I have a vision and, and I write all this stuff down and I look at it regularly and I think, am I doing, am I actually working towards this or am I just wasting my time? Communion reminds us of the gospel, the most important thing there is, the most important message, the most important foundation of our lives, and we need to be devoted to remembering the gospel, especially through communion. Let's read Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, It's what we looked at last week, which we we defined as family on purpose. Fellowship, family on purpose. We have a purpose and we build that family purposefully. Family on purpose. So fellowship, breaking bread, we're going to look at that today, next week, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You see that repetition of breaking bread. You see the regularity of it. At this point, it was every day. You can see the regularity with which they did it. You can see the devotion, can't you, to it. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. Enjoying the favor of all the people, the Lord added to their number daily those being saved. So firstly, remember. Remember. 
Communion helps us to remember the gospel. They were devoted to breaking bread, to remembering the gospel. Now, we just read it, devoted. And we talked about being, what, what does it mean to be devoted? It means to be steadfast. It means to not give up. It means to persevere. And we saw last week, didn't we, about fellowship. That we, if we're going to have true fellowship, we need to be steadfast and persevering and push through selfishness and push through distractions and work hard at it because it's hard to build family on purpose, isn't it? So devoted to breaking bread, devoted to remembering the gospel. Every day, it says in Acts 2.46, they continue to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. You see those two things together? Breaking bread and eating together. What a vision, hey? How revolutionary would that be if you and I became better at eating together? How about how, if we became more hospitable? And in that hospitality, we also remembered the blood and the death of Christ. Just imagine how revolutionary that would be. I guess some families, and it's certainly true of me growing up, that we never had anybody around growing up. I didn't grow in a Christian home, I hasten to add. We had nobody around. We're saying that I did have, there was a, my, dad's, my dad's ex-wife, strangely, used to come around every Sunday um, for lunch. And really, Christmas was a time, really, in our culture, isn't it? Christmas, probably, you get people together. It's I don't know what your culture is like, where you come from, but in in the UK, it tends to be Christmas, probably. That's probably the main one. Maybe birthdays. You tend to make an effort, things like that. Weddings, funerals. There's a sort of get-together at these big moments. Oftentimes, you don't see any... You don't see members of your extended family until you're at a funeral or at a wedding. I don't know if that's your experience. But in the church, there should be a devotion, shouldn't there, to fellowship, and that involves eating together and breaking bread together. And this is countercultural. This is not what, probably not what you're experiencing, some of you. How are you going to do it? What are you going to do about it? Because it's easy to, easy to put it over to someone else and blame them, to give your power away, to blame other people. But you take hold of your responsibility to be devoted to hospitality and creating this culture. And I'll do the same in my own life. And that if we all devote ourselves to giving and to serving, and to loving, and to eating together, there'll be enough to go round, won't there? Rather than sort of stepping back. So devoted to this, it takes devotion. It takes, it takes perseverance, and it's hard. But the benefit is massive. It's got to be beneficial because God sets us this example and teaches us, so it's got to be beneficial. On the, in Acts 20, verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, they came together to break bread. So there was a special moment, a special moment, what we call Resurrection Sunday on the first day of the week where they would come together and they would remember the death and resurrection of Christ in a special way. Paul spoke to the people because he intended to leave the next day and he kept on talking until midnight. Oh, hey, that's, oh good. That's really good news for me and for you this morning. We can speak, we can be, you know, if we're going to take the word as it is until midnight, okay, I better persevere. Devotion to breaking bread. Remembering the gospel, especially through communion. I could stop there. How are you going to be devoted to eating together? But more important than that, more important than eating together, 
breaking bread together to remember the death of Christ for you. How could, what are you and I going to do about that? Now, we can do some stuff as a church. So we're going to break bread this morning. We're going to break bread at together, our together evening on Wednesday. We can put stuff in the church calendar, can't we? we can, but really, in your community group, this, we encourage you to be in a community group, friends. Okay, if you remember this church, I'd love you in a community group. It's a, it's a, it's a way of fulfilling this. There are lots of ways, I'm sure, we could, we could fulfill this devotion to, to fellowship. But being in a community group, devoted to the people in, those, in that group, and as I've said to you already, if, if there's a group that doesn't, can't fit around your work patterns or whatever, you may be in the NHS or whatever, there may be real reasons why you're not able to get to a group. Well, f- form a group that can meet your work patterns. I'm sure there are other people that you could meet with. And if you have questions about that, please do talk to me about that and I'm sure we can come up with some ideas. And when Jem said lead a group, don't be intimidated by lead a group. It's really host a group. It's really just about taking the initiative to gather friends together as Christians, praying for each other and looking at the Bible study, which is already written anyway. So you can, um, it's, quite, it's quite low bar as it were but the I raise the bar on this you need to be a member of the church to lead a group you need to be a member of this church you need to have expressed your devotion to the church in that way to lead it okay so let's get in a group so we can do this Jesus has commanded this devotion at the last what we call the last supper at which he washed his disciples' feet, at which he prayed for his disciples, at which he spoke about the Holy Spirit. He, he, it's wonderful, this last supper, but at this last supper, he also, referring to Passover, he took the Passover idea and he applied it to himself and he said to the people, to these disciples who were with him, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. So this is my body given for you. Okay, this is my body. Yeah, let's remember that. This is what the bread represents. This is my body given for you. My body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me, is what he says. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus had commanded them to take the bread and the wine in remembrance of him. They were to be a people who met together regularly and regularly remembered the gospel, which is what we mean by Jesus given his life for us so we can be saved. Now they would have bread and wine at most meals. In this culture, bread, wine were a big part of what, what, they, what they ate and drank. So it was, it, was, it, was, it was very easy to be able to take those elements and also when you had that meal with your brothers and sisters and friends to then remember the body and blood of Jesus shed for them. And again, it's worth just saying, look, when you're with your brothers and sisters 
when you're having meals together, when you're hanging out together, why not take communion together? Just make it a part of your, our culture as Christians. It tends to be, we, we sort of re, make, it becomes this very religious activity where we say we've got to be in a certain building, at a certain place. It's got to be this kind of wine, this kind of, we, get, we can sort of bind it all up into this so we never do it because it gets too complicated and it's for the special person to be able to hold up the cup. And it, it's not meant to be like that. It's meant to be an everyday thing, remembering the gospel to remind you of the gospel. So do it as friends, as, as often, you know, wouldn't it be, you know, we should surely be breaking bread and, and doing this more often outside of this meeting, shouldn't we, ideally? And I'll leave that with you as to how you can work that out. There are various names for what I've, I've called communion or break, there's breaking bread, there's the Lord's table, there is the Lord's supper, there is communion, there is what's called Eucharist. The word Eucharist comes from the Greek for thanksgiving. So there's lots of different names for the same thing, and I'm just going to call it communion. I like the word communion because it, it speaks of two things. Communion speaks of communion with the Lord. He is communing with you by the Spirit when you have the bread and wine. So when you take bread and wine, because it's an act of faith and obedience, the Holy Spirit blesses your faith and blesses you internally and grows you as a Christian. There's nothing magic about the bread or the wine. It is just bread and wine. They are symbols of a greater reality that Jesus has died for you. And as you take it in faith, you commune with the Lord. He's here by the Spirit. But also... It communes with one another. It speaks of community. Why we take it together as a family or as a small groups. Community. Because it speaks of those two things. I am communing with, I'm now a friend of God and I'm now a friend of the church. Couldn't you? That's what it sort of speaks about, doesn't it? I'm a friend of God and I'm a friend of the church. That's why I am now. This bread and wine speaks of that. So there's lots of names for it. I'm just going to call it communion. It helps us to remember the gospel. I've already said it, but let me just, just, just labor this a bit. It helps you to remember the gospel. This is symbolism. The bread and wine do not become flesh, the flesh and blood of Christ. It is symbolism, I believe. Breaking bread, drinking wine are material things that help to teach us spiritual things. Now, there are two, two things like this. Now, what are the two sacraments, as it were, of the church? Does anybody know? We've just said bread and wine. Baptism, that's right. They're two, they're two physical things that talk of spiritual realities. Baptism is a one-off event by which, and we did it last week with Caleb, he went underwater and he came up. Again, the water isn't anything special. The pool isn't anything special. Trust me, it's nothing special. We didn't do anything like, we didn't pray over the water. We didn't pass it through a special filter. We didn't sort of splash it with petals or something. There was just water, but it symbolizes a great reality. 
which is you have been born again. You've died and risen again in Christ. Isn't that amazing? Hands up if you're a new creation this morning. That's what baptism symbolizes. You're a new creation in Christ. The, The baptism just reminds us of that. But baptism isn't repeated. You don't repeat baptism to remind you that you are a new creation. What do you do? You repeat the Lord's Supper to remind you that you are a new creation and that you are forgiven. That's the thing that you remember. Some people, some person once said about uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper. So baptism, there's this wonderful event. It's a bit like a marriage. You are married to Christ, every one of us. We are the bride of Christ. We're married to him, joined to him. And that marriage happens once, doesn't it? Think about marriage, the covenant of marriage, the the relationship of marriage. It happens once. You make promises before God and you are united. The two become one. That's a picture. That's That's not the reality. The picture is the church. Marriage speaks of the church. Every one of you, even if you're single, you are united in covenant to God. The the, the baptism is the marriage. But the Lord's Supper is like a kiss. It's the reaffirmation of my love. You don't keep getting married, do you, to the same person, but you do reaffirm, I trust, I hope, your love. And that's what um, the Lord's Supper is. It's a kiss. It's a kiss towards Jesus, and it's his kiss towards us. Repeated, repeated, repeated to remind us, because we're so easy and prone to forget his love. Paul says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. Speaking of regularity, right? Do this whenever you drink it. In remembrance of me. Bread. This is my bread. Body. This represents Jesus' body. The bread remains bread, but by faith we see Jesus dying for us again. Jesus isn't crucified again every time we take the bread and wine, but we remember he was crucified for us. We remember his body was beaten. We remember the pain. We remember how he went through such an ordeal for me and for you. Out of love, not because he had to, but because he chose to. And not because you are worthy, but because we are unworthy. That's what makes it such great love. Because it was love for the unworthy. Love for sinners. Love for the powerless. Love for the people like you and me. We know our own sin. He came into this world to die for us. and it, So that, the idea of the bread reminds us of two things. Firstly, that he died and suffered. But secondly, that he was actually a man. And this is really important. Because over history, 
the, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, every cult has, a, has, a, has an interpretation on Jesus that is a distortion. And see, Jesus is both God and man. The hypostatic union, you call it. It's, a, it's an incredible, it's a, it's an, you, you, can, you can state it, he's God and man, just like the Trinity. You can say God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but there is one God. It's, there's nothing like it in creation. It's nothing like a, a three-leaf clover or anything. It's nothing like steam and, and ice and all that stuff. It's nothing like them, okay? It's a little bit like them, I agree. But nothing is three and one at the same time. Nothing. You can say, oh, actually, Matt, after all this period of history, I can come up with something. No, you'll be wrong. You won't find anything that's three and one. Okay? Or, like the hypostatic union, Christ currently, right now, in heaven, is a man, and he is God at the same time. Incredibly mysterious. But that's what the flesh, that's what it talks about. Because throughout history, as I've said, people have often said, flesh is evil, so God can't have flesh, stuff like that. And in our, in our era, that's probably not the, um, the, the problem. Our problem is that we're just so relaxed about the whole thing. Like, do you know people died for communion? People have died. They've been burnt at the stake for this truth. And we just like, take it, leave it, you know. We've got freedom. I just said, you have freedom, guys. A few years ago, you'd have been killed for going home and taking communion with your friends and family. Like, and we treat it like, oh, no, I'd, ra I'd rather watch Rings of Power. I don't want to hang out with the church, I and mean, I'd rather. I'm not saying anything wrong with those things, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, this is like the most important thing to remember. Jesus even told us to do it. And we treat it, oh, this is our problem, not that whether Jesus was flesh or not. We just don't care. We, don't, we just don't care if he was flesh and God. It's like, well, so what? It's just theology. Just tell me a story. Make me laugh. Isn't that true? Isn't church like that now? We don't care about truth, like theology. We just want to go along and be told about how you met your girlfriend. And wasn't it fun? And all that kind of stuff, which, you know, these things are the most important things. Remember Jesus' death for us. And this is what John says. The Word, as in God, the Word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is Jesus, the creator of the universe. Just think about this, the creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe. By him all things have been made, through him all things are sustained. The creator of the universe, the infinite God, infinite in space and time and power. Infinite in space and time and power. Somebody once said it like this, God, you think about God, right? Just think about you, okay? You are like a, imagine if I, I had a, I just got my, my Bic pen and I put a dot on the middle of an infinite piece of paper. That's you. And that's God. Like, inf what's an infinite piece of paper? I don't know. It goes on forever and ever and ever. 
You can't even cut the concept. Doesn't, but that's God, right? Infinite. In, there's no end to his power. No end to his size. There's no end to him. Like, he knows all things, the beginning from the end. Oh, every thought you've ever made and will ever make. He knows all things. His, but this, one, this God became a man for you. And died for you. This is the bread, the wine, the cup, blood poured out. Paul puts it like this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. Well, that word sacrifice of atonement could be a propitiation. And I'll explain what that means. Through the shedding of his blood. To be received by faith. So how do you enter this covenant, this new relationship with God? Through faith. So taking the bread and wine, it's as simple as that. You, it says here that he's a propitiation for our sins. And what propitiation means is that Jesus took the justice of God upon himself for our sin. Jesus took the wrath of God. When I say wrath, I mean righteous anger. How anger is meant to be expressed because it's obviously God. Because anger is a godly thing. We've all got anger. We're made in the image of God. Anger is a good thing when it's contained. God's anger is righteous. And it was over us. And if you're not a Christian this morning, God's anger is on you for your sin. And I say that because I love you and God loves you so much, he gave him, you his one and only son so that through him, that anger is put on Christ who died for you and you can now have peace with God. You need to have peace with God. Peace with God. This is what God has done. He's given his son as a propitiation for your sin. And this is what he goes on to say, that now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what the blood means. Blood, is, blood represents death. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. If you put your faith in Jesus' death for you, then you have life and peace with God. Unchanging, unbreakable peace with God. Jesus said this on the night he was betrayed. In the garden of Gethsemane, he said, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here, keep watch, going a little further he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Do you see? Jesus has drank the cup of your sin on the cross. So that through faith in him, you need never drink the cup of judgment. You have peace with God. And that's what we remember when we take the cup, we remember Jesus drank the cup of my sin and I have peace with God.
My sin is removed. God is my father and restored to God through the death of Christ. So we remember and we realign our lives around this. It realigns our lives to the love of God. You know, you've, we've all failed this week, haven't we? I don't know, mate, I, I mentioned to you about these, the funeral I went to on Friday. There are events in your life that are kicking you in the teeth, aren't there not? There are things going on around you and in the, in the nations that absolutely tear at your soul. Things that are done to you, things that you do, mistakes we make. But when you come to the bread and wine, when we take this bread, when we take this wine, what are we remembering? We're remembering that although I've failed and although I sin, he has taken it upon himself and I realign myself again to the love of God and the peace I have with him, no matter what has happened in the week. We realign ourselves with loving others as well. Forgiveness. When we drink the bread, drink the wine, we take the bread, we are reminding ourselves that as we have been forgiven, we need to forgive one another for how people have sinned against us, how people have let us down. This is key. Taking bread and wine is key to a healthy church to remaining in good relationship. We realign ourselves to the love of God. We realign ourselves to loving each other. We realign ourselves to the hope that we have. Whenever you eat, says Paul in 1 Corinthians, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When you take the bread and wine, you are remembering that this Jesus who died, who rose again, ascended into heaven, is coming again. He's coming again for all of us who are waiting for him. He's coming again to bring this world to an end. He's coming again in judgment. He's coming again in judgment. But in Christ, that holds no fear for you. In Christ, his coming is the coming of your great saviour to you. It reminds us, doesn't it, that there are millions and thousands around us who need to know the story of the bread and wine so that they can know their sins are forgiven. So we remember, we realign, and we repeat. We keep repeating the bread and wine. We keep remembering the gospel. I read this morning in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, and it struck me. And I was meditating on it this morning. Hear this, friends. In this, in this era of lightweight, easy come, easy go, informality, where important things are just, oh, who cares? In this day, hear these words. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, 
to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. We remember the gospel through communion so that we do not drift away. So important, friends. This is a, a, a strong warning to us. If you carry on reading Hebrews 2. We must pay careful attention. So we're going to take bread and wine now. We're going to do what the psalmist says. We're going to taste and see that the Lord is good. We're going to remember his body given for us, his blood poured out for us, so that we can have peace and that we have peace with God. I invite you, friends, if you don't know Jesus yet, to ask him to come into your life as your Lord and Saviour. Ask him to forgive you your sins. Take the bread and wine for the first time, remembering his love for you. If you've strayed, if you have drifted away, come back to Jesus this morning. Realign yourself to him today. Let's stand together. We're going to sing. And then we're going to break bread.